Hey, I'm Christopher Schiefling, and this is Auscultation, a podcast in search of a humanities-based practice of healthcare. Thanks so much for joining us. Today, we're listening to excerpts from an untitled poem by Nezawal Coyotl, translated by Daniel Britton. Nezawal Coyotl was a 15th century ruler of Texcoco, a neighboring city-state to the Mexica people, who are more commonly known as the Aztecs. He was a polymath praised for his military and political cunning, his advancements in city planning, his cultivation of scholarship and philosophy, and most of all, for his poetry. Excerpts from an untitled poem by Nezawal Coyotl, translated by Daniel Britton. The fleeting pomps of the world are like the green willow trees, which aspiring to permanence are consumed by a fire, fall before the axe, are upturned by the wind, or are scarred and saddened by age. The grandeurs of life are like the flowers in color and in fate. The delicious realms of flowers count their dynasties by short periods. Those which in the morning revel proudly in beauty and strength, by evening weep for the sad destruction of their thrones and for the mishaps which drive them to loss, to poverty, to death, and to the grave. All things of earth have an end. Nothing is so perfect that it does not fall and disappear. The caverns of earth are filled with pestilential dust, which once was the bones, the flesh, the bodies of great ones who sat upon thrones. Were I to introduce you into the obscure bowels of this temple, and were to ask you which of these bones were those of the powerful Achalchu Tlnexten, first chief of the ancient Toltecs, if I continued thus questioning about all our august ancestors, what would you reply? The same that I reply, I know not, I know not. For first and last are confounded in the common clay. What was their fate shall be ours, and of all who follow us. Unconquered princes, warlike chieftains, let us seek, let us sigh for the heaven. For there all is eternal, and nothing is corruptible. The darkness of the sepulchre is but the strengthening couch for the glorious sun and the obscurity of the night but serves to reveal the brilliance of the stars. Some thoughts on Nahuatl poetry. Nahuatl is the language of many of the indigenous peoples of central Mexico, including the ancient Mexica which is the name that the people commonly know, known as Aztecs use for themselves. The Nahuatl term for poetry is the compound of the words for flower and song. And unlike the slightly derisive English expression of flowerly language, the association with flowers conveys the sacredness of this art. Many of their songs explicitly ask for the lyrics and the voice to be like flowers. In pre-Columbian Mexico, 
songs and songwriters were vitally important to the communities. Each town and person of influence employed a group of singers, songwriters, and dancers year-round for performances during festivals and other important events. And there were festivals dedicated to each of the 20-day months in the ancient Mesoamerican calendar, so the artists were quite active. This poem is said to have been used for the dedication of a new palace. And a variety of instruments, including drums and flutes, accompanied the songs along with dancing, and the lyrics were passed down through oral tradition. The poems attributed to Nezahual Coyotl were first written down by a distant grandson. Due in large part to the active destruction of indigenous culture, there is much about the ancient Nahuatl poetry that remains a mystery. The history we have relies heavily on the records of the Spanish colonizers, and even those who spoke fluently were uncertain of the full meaning of the songs, and they expressed difficulty in translating the poetry. So it is with trepidation and humility that I explore the verse of Nizawal Coyotl, which has come on a long, winding journey to reach our ears. From its first steps in the 1400s through generations of oral history, and then into Spanish by a distant descendant, and then into English in the 1800s, and finally, to my reading, in the 2000s. Even after such a torturous road, the images and themes of the poem pack a punch that is still worth grappling with six centuries later. This episode is brought to you once again by flowers. Roses are red, violets are blue, death is coming, even for you. The petals will wilt and your face will wrinkle. Their aroma will get lost in the wind and your bones will get lost in the dirt. But as Rilke says, beauty is the beginning of terror we are just able to bear. Don't just be okay. Go get a bouquet. Some thoughts on Memento Mori. This poem is an example of Memento Mori, or art that reminds its audience that we will die. In particular, it is reminiscent of the Vanitas paintings from the 1600s that display symbols of power and pleasure, such as musical and scientific instruments, flowers and feasts, with images of temperance and decay, such as skulls, flies, flickering candles, bubbles, and spoiled fruit. Usually, the symbols of death are quite subtle, like a small fly that blends in with the shaded side of the fruit. The viewer is swept in by the extravagance, only to be greeted by death on the second glance. These paintings sought to delight their wealthy patrons while reminding them of the vanity of worldly pursuits and pointing them towards heaven. Similarly, the poem speaks of the pomps of the world, the grandeurs of life, and the delicious realms of flowers that revel proudly in their beauty and strength, only to have them brought down by mishaps to loss, to poverty, to death, and to the grave. By starting with images of ruin of trees and flowers, the poet creates a safe distance to begin contemplating our own ends. It is easier to examine the temperance of flowers. Their lives are so much shorter than ours, 
and there will be new blooms soon. And after this gradual approach, Nezawal Coyotl takes us into the tombs and shows us the pestilential dust which once was the bones, the flesh, the bodies, the great ones who sat upon thrones. He goes on to name several monarchs and asks if the audience could recognize their bones. And though not read here, the last monarch that he names is his own father, who died when he was a teenager. The stanza concludes, What was their fate shall be ours and of all who follow us. So from flowers to bones, to famous ancestors, to a father, to ourselves and our children, the poem steers us ever closer to our own mortality. What's more, like the Vanitas paintings, the last stanza addresses the ruling class, the unconquered princes, warlike chieftains. Finally, Nezawal Coyotl also directs the listeners to heaven with the admonishment of let us seek, let us sigh for heaven. However, the guiding North Star was quite different for the ancient Mesoamerican peoples than the Christian afterlife. According to their worldview, the manner of your death determined if you went to one of the levels of heaven rather than the underworld. Those who died in battle or childbirth went to one level of heaven, while those who drowned or were killed by lightning went to another. Most deaths, though, led people to the underworld with its many houses of terror where they faced challenges from the gods of death. But like the Christian heaven, Nezawal Koyotl's answer to the impermanence of human life is to find what lasts, where all is eternal and nothing is corruptible, which leads him to the sun and the stars. In other words, one answer to death is to die in a worthy fashion. The recognition of our mortality is considered a defining aspect of humanity, something that separates us from other animals. This knowledge has spun much of the humanistic developments, religion, philosophy, art, etc., over the ages. Contemplating death has traditionally helped humans appreciate the earthly beauties and joys, while at the same time qualifying these pleasures and pointing to powers greater than ourselves. It also brings us closer together. And as Awal Coyotl so brilliantly frames it, first and last are confounded in the common clay. Working in healthcare is a regular reminder of death. Whether consciously or unconsciously, we deal with this in many ways, from belief in our own invincibility to hypochondria, to compartmentalizing, to numbness, to grief. Being witness to death and dying is both a tremendous privilege and a great weight. It is humbling to see how people grapple with this angel, at times with grace and at other times with desperation. And if I open myself to the full gravity of this work, it asks me what matters most in my life. It asks me what should I seek and what should I sigh for. Some thoughts on flowers. Flowers are a widely used image for the brevity of life and the inevitability of illness, age, and death. In episode two, we heard how William Blake used the flower metaphor to great effect in his poem, The Sick Rose. Unlike many floral images, Nzawal Coyotl's flowers offer pleasure and power. 
Here, the flowers are royalty with delicious realms and dynasties that revel proudly in beauty and strength. But political might fades just like beauty, and by evening, the thrones are brought down. And since the novel term for poetry is the compound of the words for flower and song, the poem itself is another flower that counts its dynasty by a short period. It is interesting that flowers are the go-to offering at the bedside. The bouquet from the hospital gift shop may actually say, get well, exclamation point. But it also is a reminder of the patient's ultimate fallibility. And the other staple encouragement are balloons, which are just another contemporary symbol of memento mori. The helium will fade, and what goes up eventually will come down. Excerpts from an untitled poem by Nazawa Coyotl, translated by Daniel Britton. The fleeting pomps of the world are like the green willow trees, which aspiring to permanence are consumed by a fire, fall before the axe, are upturned by the wind, or are scarred and saddened by age. The grandeurs of life are like the flowers in color and in fate. The delicious realms of flowers count their dynasties by short periods. Those which in the morning revel proudly in beauty and strength, by evening weep for the sad destruction of their thrones and for the mishaps which drive them to loss, to poverty, to death, and to the grave. All things of earth have an end. Nothing is so perfect that it does not fall and disappear. The caverns of earth are filled with pestilential dust, which once was the bones, the flesh, the bodies of great ones who sat upon thrones. Were I to introduce you into the obscure bowels of this temple, and were to ask you which of these bones were those of the powerful Achalchu Tilnexten, first chief of the ancient Toltecs, if I continued thus questioning about all our august ancestors, what would you reply? The same that I reply, I know not, I know not. For first and last are confounded in the common clay. What was their fate shall be ours, and of all who follow us. Unconquered princes, warlike chieftains, let us seek, let us sigh for the heaven. For there all is eternal, and nothing is corruptible. The darkness of the sepulchre is but the strengthening couch for the glorious sun and the obscurity of the night but serves to reveal the brilliance of the stars. Daniel Britton's translation of Nezawal Coyotl's poem was published in 1890 and is now part of public domain. You can find show notes for this episode at anauscultation.com wordpress.com and you can send comments suggestions and questions to the twitter handle at anauscultation or to the email anauscultation at gmail.com auscultation is produced and recorded on ancestral home of the ute cheyenne and arapaho peoples if you enjoyed this episode please rate 
follow or share to help others find out about us too. Until next month, be kind and live the questions.